Hello, Silverliners, and welcome to the Lunch Ladies Cloud News Wrap Podcast, where we serve up the freshest headlines from the week with a scoop of behind-the-scenes insights and weird anecdotes for dessert. I'm Silverlining's Managing Editor, Liz Coyne, and I'm here with Diana Guberts, Executive Editor of Silverlining's and Fierce Telecom. I can't believe we are back so soon again. Has it been a week already, Liz? I know. I can't believe a week flew by, but I'm excited to be back again recording our podcast. And I guess I should say, in case you're new to the podcast, and who isn't, because this is only our second episode, the way it works is we will be recapping some of our favorite stories from the past week before ending with a fun little story for from Liz or myself. But Liz, do you want to kick things off? Absolutely. Before we get started, because the name of our podcast is Lunch Ladies, it will be really I guess I would be remiss if I didn't start off with a bit of lunch-related cloud news. This time it relates to hot dogs. It sounds like Nathan's Hot Dogs has started to work with a company called Soshi for cloud-related marketing and customer service management. So similar to last week's episode when we brought you all the news about Wendy's working with Oracle Cloud, I couldn't resist mentioning that Nathan's Hot Dogs has got some cloud-related news this week too. But before we get too far down in the weeds with our hot dog news, I let's kick it off with some headlines that we wrote from this week. Diana, over to you. Sure. Do you want to start off with maybe not a news recap, but there was a discussion that we wanted to have inspired by some of the headlines that we saw and wrote about this week. I do remember this. You and I had a really interesting call where we were going back and forth after the cloud Cloud service providers reported their earnings, and Synergy came out with their wrap up of the reporting on Monday, no, last Friday, I believe, right after we recorded our podcast. And rankings have not changed with regard to the big three. But at the same time, Nokia and Ericsson reported that their earnings were down, as many of us who follow the telco space know. So, Diana, you and I had a conversation about whether or not it was smart for Nokia to hand off its red hat, hand off its cloud business to Red Hat when cloud side is doing pretty well, but telco side is down. I wondered what I wondered what you thought of that, and then also there's been rumors about Ericsson wanting to hand over their cloud business. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that's a good idea? Yeah, so I want to make sure that we're clear on what happened with Nokia, right? Because they didn't sell their business. The thing that they did is they're just leaning on Red Hat a little bit more. So instead of using their own technology for their cloud products, they're going to be leaning on Red Hat's underlying technology. So I think it's all Kubernetes-based. And that's including for its cloud-based open 5G core products, which has been a trend. Dan Jones on our team has been writing about the push to standalone 5G, and that all includes cloud-based services. It's hard because both Nokia and Ericsson have these cloud businesses, but they're more of an afterthought than those the main telecom businesses. So, you know, it's up in the air. At, me, at least to me, it doesn't seem like cloud has top billing at those companies. But what's your take, Liz? I... Certainly, if you're at Mobile World Congress, Nokia was all about the cloud. They rebranded their whole business. So to me, it was quite a shock that all of a sudden they're leaning on Red Hat for their cloud business when, you know, the big rebranding at in Barcelona was all about the cloud. So that kind of took me by surprise. But I thought it would be good if we reached out to some analysts to get their perspectives to weigh in. And 
we sent out some emails to a lot of our favorite analysts and asked them to send in some audio clips. We asked them the question, can cloud make up for wireless declines? And Deloro Group's VP, Stefan Pongratz, actually sent us a recording. So we're going to go over to and listen to that clip. Following a couple of years of strong growth in the broader telecom sector, and especially the wireless market, 2023 is not shaping up to be the best year, in part because inventory adjustments and more challenging 5G comparisons are weighing on the market. As we look ahead, the inventory piece will normalize, but the underlying fundamentals will not change, and RAN is projected to decline at 1% CAGR. Can the cloud players make up the gap before 6G? I think it's unlikely. There's still a small part of the RAM purchases, and it's not trivial to expand the portfolio and win with both. So it seems to me, Liz, like he's saying he doesn't think cloud is enough to make up for wireless, which is the page that we landed on, right? Yeah, I agree. But it's still interesting. And if cloud is growing, and really, I think we have a couple years to see really what how things are going to shape up. Are we at another transition point for all these big vendors similar to where we were in 2000? I don't know. It remains to be seen. But thanks, Stefan, for sending us in your voice note. That was really super helpful. And if you want to send us in a voice note or a comment on one of our stories from next week, just send us an email through Silver Linings. You can reach out to me directly, or you can go down to the bottom of our page and click letters to the editor and send us a note that way. We'd love to have your input. Something else we covered this week that I thought was really fun is Dan Jones wrapped up our 5G road trip, standalone 5G road trip, I said, I should say, with covering what's been going on at Dish Networks. By the way, they also just announced a major deal to merge with Echo Star. I know, that was so crazy. And the thing to me that stood out was, I don't really get the logic. Listen, Charlie Ergen, for better or worse, has a lot of really interesting ideas. I just don't know how well Dish is going to be able to execute around those. They were set up after the Sprint and T-Mobile merger as the fourth big player in wireless. And while they are building a greenfield network and that takes time and investment and money, and yes, there will be hurdles along the way, I just, I don't know. But I guess they do have standalone 5G running. But then if you look at Dan's story, they only have four compatible devices. So I don't know. I'm a little bit skeptical, Liz. Yeah, I all I could think of is maybe they're ahead of their time and preparing for something that, that we can't see coming. <laughs> I hope so. I, know. I know. For their sake. They've, gone, they've jumped in that time machine ahead of five yeah. years and then came back and they're building for the future. Speaking of building for the future, another big headline this week was the departure of Rakuten and Rakuten Symphony executives, Tarek Amin. What do you make of that? It was certainly a surprise. I've heard all sorts of reasons Uh, for his departure, all of them alleged. The official line on LinkedIn is that he's doing it to spend more time with his family. Again, the reasons I've heard run the gamut, like everything you can think of. It's, But I can't help but wonder if maybe they're just looking for somebody who can execute a little bit faster. He is the face of their cloud effort. Yeah, I mean, he ran not only their mobile unit, but he also ran the equipment side of the business, the vendor side with Rakuten Symphony. So that I find interesting. He's also a really engaging person and he was the face of that side of the business. Or I'm just wondering who's going to be able to step in and take over that has his experience coming from Geo, but also who's going to be able to get the word out about what Rakuten is doing. Just before we started look recording, I took a look at their stock prices, which are down. And I believe that they just reported earnings this week. We're going to 
have to wait and see what happens with Rakuten. And readers, I would definitely stay tuned to Silver Linings. Dan will be covering everything. And I also, our sister site, Fierce Wireless, is covering them all the time as well. So stay tuned there. Liz, do you mind if I jump in with a story? I wanted to highlight one more before we get to the end. So there was this other story that you and I actually worked on this week, and we were pulling together the top interview questions from cloud companies. Basically, this was around what cloud companies are asking their job candidates. And since our audience is all folks who work in the cloud and cloud network engineers and architects, we wanted to try to help you, especially in light of the recent layoffs. And I think we got some interesting responses, Liz. What was your favorite? My favorite actually came from DigitalOcean. We reached out to all the major cloud providers. Google Clouds, Olga Donnelly was super nice enough to send us back some questions that that they, I guess they didn't actually give us questions, but they gave us tips about what they were looking for when they go out to interview for cloud network architects. DigitalOcean actually sent us questions, which was uh, really nice of Jody Alperstein. So Let's see here. My favorite one was, how do you break a legacy monolith application to run in a hybrid cloud environment? That is really specific. And I think sets you up for how technical the interviews are going to be when you go in to talk to these folks. What was your favorite one, Diana? I think my favorite one was, as you said, Google Cloud didn't send us questions so much as tips about what they talk about and what they look for in candidates. And I thought it was interesting that they were looking at, and this was our kind of imagined with help from Glassdoor take on it, we're asking folks how they work with diverse teams. How can they help people who don't fit into the team? And I think that speaks a lot, not just to Google's internal goals, maybe around diversity and inclusion, but also how important it is to have different viewpoints building these networks. People think differently. People with different backgrounds solve problems differently. So I think it's really interesting to see that's a priority for them. I, I totally agree with you there. We've been covering some interesting bits of news on diversity inclusion at Silver Linings, but I think that is just a thread that goes across the entire tech industry and has been going on and for many years. I also really like the one from Google Cloud that was related to, tell me about a time when you had competing customer requests with different goals. Who hasn't had that happen to them. I know, right? It's so weird, but I know. Uh, well, we're running short on time, but I think we can sneak in a quick anecdote, funny story that we're calling the lunch ladies dessert section of our podcast. Compliments of my, or I guess, attributed dessert section to my friend, Jessica, who thought that up. I wondered, I'm going to, if Diana, you had a funny story to share with us this week. No, I do actually. And if you guys want to hop in the way back machine with me, we're going to go all the way back to when I was in kindergarten. And it was when whiteboards were first becoming a thing in classrooms. I know I'm ancient chalk. It's okay. But, (laughs) and it wasn't my turn to write on the whiteboard, but I really wanted to. And (laughs) my dad was a lawyer. So I told my teacher that the judge didn't like his arguments and had him thrown in jail And everybody felt really bad for me. (laughs) And they let me write on the whiteboard. (laughs) Listen, I was in kindergarten. Okay. I don't, I'm not a a dirty, rotten liar in real life. I promise. But (laughs) I just thought it was the most ridiculous thing. And looking back on it, I understood why I did it. Whiteboards were really cool. Right. When they were first a thing, it was so neat. But. I think all of you and I are both writers. So any opportunity we could take to get right on anything, we would. I remember once getting in trouble. We're supposed to be practicing our cursive writing. Remember cursive? Yes. And I, we're only supposed to do one row of L's 
but I got so excited in writing capital L's that I covered the whole front and back page. And then I got in trouble. <laughs> oh, I got in no. trouble for writing too many L's. <laughs> You'll have to remind me sometime to tell you about what happened when I got to middle school and typing started to become a thing. And we used Mavis Beacon Teaches Typing. Yes. With, like box tops over our hands. Oh, man. <laughs> it was wild. But story for another time, though. I don't want to. No. To burden our audience with too many cool anecdotes. Liz, do you have anything you want to say before we sign off? I do. Just a reminder, Silver Liners, that before we go, don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. We are on Twitter at Go Silver Linings. And you can subscribe to our newsletter by going to www.silverliningsinfo.com. Also, we've got a free virtual event coming up called Telco Core Strategy Summit on September 18th. And we are preparing to roll out our first ever Cloud Innovation Awards in September. So you heard it first here on Lunch Ladies. And one last thing before we go, we are about to launch an exciting in-person event scheduled for December. So stay tuned for more info on that and join us again next week for another heaping helping from the Lunch Ladies.